Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, and this is the Revolutionary Podcast. as we are continuing our year-long study of the book of Acts as we are going to read Acts 3 all the way through Acts 4 verse 12. And with it, the whole point of everything we do and why again we call this the Revolutionary Podcast is because we want to make sure that we are revolving our lives around Christ at the center and that involves the truth. In order for us to do that, we must be confronted when other things stand in the middle. And so today we're going to look at that study and look at the topic of ignorance and how Peter and John confronted the ignorance of many people so they can experience the love of God. We are studying a book of the Bible. We're studying the book of Acts, and we're doing this every day, every Sunday. And what I love about doing this approach, I want you to think about it this way. Uh, I don't know if you've processed this so far, because as we study the text, we're allowing the text to determine today's topic. And so that's what it's going to be. And so the topic for today, the issue that we're going to deal with is ignorance. All right, that's the one we're going to look at, ignorance. Now, I know already by me saying the word ignorant, you can already think of four or five people that frustrate you on a daily, don't you, right? Already, right? Ignorance is something that, oh, it's a pet peeve of everybody's. It's something we all know what it's like to deal with ignorant people. And what's so frustrating about ignorant people is what I love. I don't even know who this dude is. I just loved what he said. Peter Baskerville says, the ignorant are ignorant of their ignorance. Right? True. And that's what's so frustrating, right? Is that, yo, they don't understand. They are ignorant of their own ignorance and, and they don't want to hear, right? What is an ignorant person? Somebody who doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to process. They've already made up their mind. They're stubborn. They're hard-headed. They're prideful, right? That's the issue. And we all have frustrating people. And listen, if you can't think of a few, I can, I'm going to tell you right now, guaranteed way for you to find an ignorant person. Just go into the bathroom, look in the mirror. You, I guarantee you, you are the cause of somebody else's frustration. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But listen, let's just, be, let's just be fair. Let's just be fair. We're all ignorant, though. Let's just be fair, right? When we look at ignorance, there's a willful one where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to know. I refuse to know. But let's just be honest. What is ignorance other than you just not knowing everything, right? That's basic. So that's us. None of us knows it all, unless you're a teenager, right? And you better live it up because it's going to go by really fast, all right? You're going to lose it at some point, so just be careful. But right, so we don't know. We don't know it all, and because we don't know it all, we are ignorant of things. I am very ignorant of things that are happening in your life because I don't know everything, right? You, we're all ignorant of something that's happening in the world because we don't have the time or the ability to process it all. And so that's fine. We all understand that. And then there are some times... Even in that case where you ever heard the term ignorance is bliss? Does that make sense, right? Ignorance is bliss, meaning it's sometimes it's good not knowing everything. It's good not knowing too much details because it could be stressful or too, you know. So ignorance is okay sometimes, right? There's two instances that I can think of. One, you don't want it to be medical, all right? And so listen, I, I have family, friends, all right, that uh, refuse to go to the doctor. I'm like, bro, that thing on your foot, 
dude, you got to get it checked. But what is that, bro? It, it shouldn't, it, it, it's moving on its own. Dog. He was like, you got to go. Or, or if, you know, that cough don't sound right, bro, you got to go to the doctors. And hey, I know we have the, that relative, right? Or if, and you like, no, 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 why am I going to go to the doctors? I go to the doctors and every time I go, they're just going to tell me everything that's wrong with me. I don't need that negativity in my life. Man, positive thoughts. Right. And so, you know, that there's somebody right that refuses to go because they don't want to know. They don't want to know. They'd rather I'd rather not know. All right. I'd rather not know. So that's one thing we shouldn't be ignorant of for sure. And the other one, guys, is that the most important thing that we should not be ignorant of is God's truth. This is why we do what we do on Sundays. This is why we gather together. We look inside because once we investigate, we need our ignorance challenged. And to do that, we need to investigate the word of God and read it in a way that it investigates us, that we are examined. Once we and our misconceptions and our ignorance is examined and confronted, that's when we get to experience the power and the love of God when we do. And that's what happened to a group of people here in Acts chapter 3, which is we're going to pick up uh, where we left off. And we're reading Acts chapter 3, and we're going to be confronted first with the ignorance of a lame man. All right, so let's, let's read together Acts 3. We're going to read just the first uh, couple verses from cha- uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. All right, so we have it online. If, if you uh, have a, our website, there's the notes all in there with all the Bible verses. We're going to put it on the screen and online for everybody. So let's read the first 10 verses. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer. And what time do you you say? Three o'clock. Let's remember that for later. It's three o'clock in the afternoon where they're going to pray. A man who was lame from birth. So this guy was crippled, born crippled, all right? Some deformity. He was lame from birth and was carried there to the temple. He was placed each day at the temple gate called beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. All of the people saw him walked and praised. They saw him walking and praising God and they they recognized that he was the one who would sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. All right, so let's process this one. I noticed we're, we're going to look at how Peter and John confronted the ignorance of this lame man. All right. And we're going to see ourselves in the story very easily. And we're going to see what God's going to do. And so what, what, all we know, right, what do we see is this one thing, right? This guy was born with his legs, though, whatever. All right. We don't know what it's like. We just know it don't work. All right. His legs don't work. This is not some like broken ankle kind of a thing. Maybe it was like some cerebral palsy or whatever. But all we know is that this guy could not move himself. You see that he couldn't move himself. So this is not something where he can drag and and walk on his hands like some people. I've seen people who do that, have that deformity. You know, he can't just grab on a horse and throw himself up. He can't move. All right. So he's like that. A lame person, unable to move, unable to walk. But he needs to live. 
And so people like him, what do they do? They would go and they would drop him off at this, right, this temple. And they were, they were not allowed to enter in the temple because there was a rule and a law, which we talk about this, you know, even more in detail later. But God had instituted certain things that, listen, only certain people could enter in. Only certain people could enter into the temple. And if you had some deformity or something like that, you, you couldn't. There was a purpose for it, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. And so this guy could not get in. He could only go to the gate. And what was the gate called? It was called beautiful. Now, the reason why it's called beautiful is because it was, you guys are wide awake. All right, that's as simple as that. It was a gorgeous, magnificent, I mean, ginormous door. That's what it was. It was a work of art and it was huge. It was, and so that's just what they called it because that's what it looked. It was gorgeous. It was amazing. A work of art, beautiful. And because it was the center point, People like him would go and beg and ask for money. People would have compassion. You know, it's kind of hard to, when you're going to church and talking, you know, when you're going to church, you're going to a religious event, and in this case, and then there's somebody in need, you know, it's like, you know, perfect strategic timing, you know, and where, where they were. But what do we see here? This guy, he goes and he's asking for what? He's just asking for money. The dude is just trying to survive. All he wants to do is survive. But, see, he didn't realize that he needed something else. Right? When, when Peter and John walk by and they say, hey, look at us, look at us. Because he just kind of looked and assumed, oh, these people, maybe they, you know, they look poor. Peter was a, a fisherman. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have, you know, I guarantee you on the outer, you know, form and way he dressed, him like, oh, not him. You know, I, I'm going to need somebody else. So this guy's going to give me money. So he made this the judgment. I'm like, nope, nope. And move. And what did Peter do? He said, no, no, hey, hey, look at us. Look again. Look again, hold on. And he was expecting to get money. And he says, you know, silver and gold, I don't have. Now, I, I've asked God to forgive me because I know there's people who's asked me for cash and asked me for money. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm sorry, I did. I had a 20, I didn't want to give it to him, my bad. And so I know I'm, I've done that. Anybody? You liars, you know you did it too. Thank you. All right, y'all did it too. Online, I see you. But anyways, so... So he goes and listen, he was being real. He's like, look, I don't really have anything for you, but I do have this. And so the reality was that this guy just wanted to survive. But Peter and John saw something that the Holy Spirit was doing and recognized, listen, I know you want money. You just want to survive, but you, re you really need to be saved. Now, this is a weird thing because he heals his he heals his feet. Right. And this guy out of nowhere now is able to walk and and he didn't really need that. He didn't need to learn how to walk or give the ability. No, he needed to be saved. And God did this and did something in his life and opened up his eyes, opened up his heart. And this is an important thing that we want to make sure that we don't just read this story and be like, oh, like this guy. He saw Peter and John, moved on. We're not going to move on yet. We're going to look again at the text because we can, God can show a lot inside of that. Because look, you and I can be Peter. If we're believers in Christ Jesus, listen, church, Christians, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, we are called to do what Peter and John did. What were they doing? They were regularly worshiping God together, right? They were going together. That's an important thing. We need to have those relationships in that, inside of the church that we are living for the Lord together, seeking him together. What else did they do? They saw an opportunity. Now, listen, guys, I don't know why God only chose to heal one lame man. Because there must have been a bunch of people there. That was normal. And God sovereignly chose to do something in one man to do something significant. Okay? And so here we go. But the thing is that you and I, like Peter and John, we need to make sure that we are sensitive to the needs around us. They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit for an opportunity. And so should we. As we're walking in and in, in our day and throughout, we got to be sensitive to the little things where the Lord to say, hey, I've already started something in this person. I need you to take it further, take, take the, the next step and do that. So it's very important. And I love what Peter and John did. Do you notice that they didn't just give a word? 
They didn't just give a word of hope and encouragement. Peter stood out his right hand and gave him a hand up. That's an important too. So as, as Christians, we like to do one or the other, right? We like to, you know, maybe say positive things, but, and leave it there, right? And the, the scripture says, no, listen, if you have the means to do something, you should do it if you could. Not have manipulation, but no excuses. So that's an important thing too, but let's say, make sure we also take, take uh, and get the balance here. Because there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm gonna do good and I'm gonna help others and I'm gonna give money. And that's all things a Christian should do, guys. We should be, you know, the, the hungry should be fed, right? The homeless should have a place, right? The hurting should be, you know, all of these things. There's things that we ought to do, but we can't lose sight of the fact that what really these people need, yeah, they, would, it's, they need money, they need this, they need that. But really, though, they need their soul to be saved. And so we want to make sure this is not like an and or kind of thing where we do good deeds, but we don't share the good news. No, this is a both thing. All right. Why are you giving? Why are you doing? Well, it's because of Jesus and what he's done, because that matters most. What good is a homeless person if he has a home, but his, his soul is still dead? Well, what good is it if a hungry person is now has a full belly, but his soul is still empty? Now, again, it's on, it's on them if they want to respond. But as believers, it's on us to be able to share and to be able to communicate that. Does that make sense? Are we all tracking? So we can be like that. But let's be real, though. In the story, you and I are the lame dude. You and I are this guy. This guy was born incapable of doing anything for himself. He was born lame. And you and I are all born crippled. All right? And our soul is crippled. That's what sin is. When we are born into this world, you and I are born crippled by sin, unable to save ourselves, unable to do anything. All we can do is beg. All we can do is beg that hopefully this relationship is the thing that's going to fulfill me. All we can do is beg and hope that this job, this career is what's going to satisfy me, that this activity, this, 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 that. This is all we do is we beg for scraps from this world. But we are meant for more than just scraps. and We are meant for more even than silver and gold. We were meant for our Savior and our God. That's the one thing. And when we, so if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, guys, I want you to know that you used to be this beggar. Because when you put your faith and when you looked again and you saw Jesus, Jesus himself lifted you up by the power of his Holy Spirit and strengthened you and raised you. Not just, he didn't just fix your feet. He raised you to new life. He resurrected your soul that was dead and now it's alive. This, this is our story. This is, this is a conversion story. This is our conversion story. And so we, we need to make sure that we do not remain, again, ignorant. We don't, we, don't, we don't remain ignorant of what God has done or, again, what he offers us. We don't want to settle. And as believers, let me help you here because even God can restore you and God can give you two feet, right, and give you life. But it's very easy to go back and sit down at the gate and to beg for and seek out the things of this world when God has now given you the ability to do more than just settle for that. And so we need to make sure that we don't, when we catch ourselves settling for the scraps, even the silver and gold of this world, that we, no, 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 there is so much more. And what we need, we may want a lot of things, but what we need is Christ. This man's ignorance was confronted and his life was forever Changed, And so now let's look at what Peter and John are going to do. They're going to now confront the ignorance of a crowd. So let's keep the story going. Ready? So in verse 11 now, we're going to read the largest chunk of the day all the way through 26. So let's look at the process. This dude is healed. They've walked inside the temple. Everybody's freaking out now. And so here it says, while he, 
was holding on. So this is the lame guy that was healed. While he was holding on, clinging to Peter and John, all of the people, utterly astonished, ran towards them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade, right outside the inside the temple courtyard there. This is where people would gather to teach, and Jesus would go here a lot. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. He says, your fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power of, or godliness? For the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our, um, of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one, and you asked to have a murderer released to you. Some of you all know the story. You killed the source of life. Whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of this, that Jesus rose from the dead, by faith in the name, in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance. I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through the prophets that this Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out permanently forever. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus again, once again, who he has appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things. And then the second coming happens, which God spoke about through the holy prophets from the beginning, where Moses said, this was Moses quoting and actually talking about Jesus, says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen or believe that prophet, they will be completely cut off from the people, meaning they're not going to be saved. In addition, all of the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham and all of the families will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant Jesus and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. And so, nice little speech there. And if you've been tracking a little bit, Peter, man, he's not holding any punches, right? When he starts talking to people, he's letting them know, again, you know, here's this crowd and God now, just like the day of Pentecost, if you remember we were together, what happened? Did God did some supernatural event and then all this attention was on Peter and on the, on the people and then Peter now sends this message and the real miracle, everyone got saved, 3,000 people that day. Here, God uses and heals one man and now all this attention is there and what is it for? To now say, listen, if God can heal this crippled man's feet, he can save your soul. And then he just, that's an evidence of the power of God. So this is what we're seeing and now he is confronting again their ignorance and what did this crowd do ignorantly? They killed their Messiah. They killed the source of life, right? You saw that. And, and that was crazy where even Pontius Pilate, he says, he was trying to get Jesus released. And you were like, no, I'd rather have that uh, murderous, uh, convicted convict. Yeah, let him out. Jesus, you know, you keep him, you know? So look at the horrible trade that they did. But again, Peter understands you did not know what you were doing. You made a decision based on false assumptions and accusations from the leaders. You changed your mind, right? And now I need you to know that you made a mistake, but even though you did it ignorantly, you are still guilty. Does that make sense? 
because they did what was wrong, just because they didn't know they were doing what was wrong, doesn't mean anything. Do you know that right now, there are so many laws in America right now, there are so many laws that actually all of us, all of us could easily be prosecuted for like two or three different things that you and I break on a regular, you didn't even know you broke the law. Like all of us could. If the government want to come after anyone, they find, find something, something that, that you have done, done and it's super silly and not, but, but it's in the books. You didn't know it's in there, but just, that doesn't matter. It's there. You're guilty, even though you didn't realize it. And so the thing is that Peter is, listen, he's trying to talk to them in love. And I want you guys to know as Christians, this is the part that we got to be very careful with. We're not trying to just correct and say, you're wrong and I'm right and we're talking down to people. You hear me? That's not what we're called to do. Peter, out of love, is trying to tell them, guys, you don't understand. You're going in the wrong way. This is the wrong thing. You did what was wrong. You need to be. This is why when he says repent, he's trying to get them to turn. He's trying to get them to change their mind because until they can change their mind and recognize, God, we messed up. God's not going to be able to save them or do anything. He can't forgive somebody who doesn't feel they need to be forgiven. Right? He can't save someone who doesn't ask to be saved. And so with that, there's something super important that we need to understand that, and we could easily catch ourselves in this. And this is why we have to make sure we're guys, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are willing to confront us because we all have blind spots, don't we? I have blind spots. I have people in my life, in my, my boardroom of, of people, and I wanna make sure that if, if you enter into an inner circle, it's because, number one, I love you. Number two, I trust you. Number three, I know you love me enough to not smoke, you know, blow smoke up my butt. That you are going to tell me what I need to know. And, and you're going to do it in love. You're not going to, not, not in a judging way, not in a, no, but you're going to do it in love. And we all need those people. We don't need just yes men and yes women constantly telling us just the positives and no, and, and they don't want to tell us the hard truth. No, we need those people in our lives because if we don't recognize we're in the wrong, then how is anything going to get right? And, and there's a quote here that I love from this uh, theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, try to imagine this, okay? If you board the wrong train, it is no use running along the corridor in the other direction. Can you imagine that? If you board the wrong train and you're not, the destination you're going is not the one you're supposed to or you think. If you board the wrong train, it doesn't matter if you're running in the corridors, in the hallways, in the opposite direction. Because at one point, right, there's a limit. You're going to stop and you're going to go where the train is going. Guys, you and I are all born on the wrong train. That's what sin is. We are born on a hell-bound train. And it doesn't matter how good our actions or our attitudes, as long as we're trying to run up in the opposite direction, there's going to be a limit there. We're going to end in that destination. And this is why we need to make sure we will not recognize and call out to God and say, Lord, save me if we don't recognize we boarded the wrong train. Because only Jesus can make things right. And when he does, this is the beautiful part now for Christians to me encourage you. And don't be ignorant of this, please. Because now, when Christ, when you have asked him to forgive you, Jesus now puts you on the right train with the different destination now. The destination is not the wrath of God and hell. The destination is eternity. It, with him, it is now love. And even if you find yourself from time to time on the right train, going in the wrong direction in the corridor, you're still on the right track. You see that? So as believers, we'll catch ourselves maybe up and down, back and forth. But, but if you're on that right train, you're heading in that right direction. And the more we should grow and the more our life is aligned in that. So I want to encourage you with that and be, not be ignorant of what God has done. He has redirected our destiny, our eternity in Him. 
But in order to do that, he can only make things right when we recognize we're in the wrong. That's an important one. And as believers, guys, listen, you got to constantly be like that. We all have areas. I still have areas that need to constantly shift and be aligned in. And so we want to make sure that we have those people in our lives to help us, to encourage us, and to move us forward. So, all right, Peter uh, attacks and, and he, he confronts the ignorance of the lame man. He confronts the ignorance of the crowd. And now he's going to confront the ignorance of the Jewish uh, the Jewish leadership. So let's read our last verse of the day. So chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. So while they were speaking, this is Peter and now uh, John. While they were speaking to all the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of them who heard the message believed, and the number of the men, not including some say men and women, came to be 5,000 people who got saved that day. Look at that. And so moving on, the next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John Alexander, and the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John, they stand uh, to stand before them, they began to question them. By what power, in, by what power or in what name has this been done? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, so I love that even, ah, uh, one more, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus, quoting Psalms 1, 18, 22, this Jesus is the stone rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation, unquote. There is salvation in no other, no one else, for there is only no other name under heaven given to people by which we, what does it say? Must be saved. Must be saved. So guys, look at just the, I don't want you to lose even just the, the audacity of what just happened here. So these are the religious leaders. These are the smartest of the bunch. They know the scriptures better than anyone else. And they are interrogating Peter and John. And Peter and John turn the tables on them. And they don't stand there as victims. No, they are now examining and judging the leaders. They are examining them. And when he starts quoting Psalms 118, ooh, yo, something, either a pin would have dropped or the whole room must have erupted. Because here is a poor fisherman, a blue collar worker, telling the religious leaders, you did not, you misunderstood Psalms 118. Let me teach you what Psalms 118, 22 is. It's not what you think it was. In fact, it was, it was written about you. You just did it. Jesus was the cornerstone. He's the one you rejected and tossed out. And he is the cornerstone for a lot. And so that is something. I mean, just the, the audacity for him to say that. Now, he's quoting a verse that they would know. He's confronting their ignorance. You got rid of the cornerstone of the world and you didn't know it. And I'm here to tell you this. Now, this is why the cornerstone, that, that word matters so much, guys. So in, in, in the, not in 
architecture. Back then, they would establish this cornerstone, which was the, the foundation stone, and it was what determined the, light, the, the length and the width and the height of the building. And as you build on that cornerstone, all of the other things are leaning and resting on the cornerstone. So in that case, if you pull, even like today, right now we're on a building, if you're online, you're probably in a house somewhere, right? Your house is built on a foundation. This building is on a foundation. If the foundation was pulled off right now, okay, how well is the house gonna stand up against the dirt? It's, it's not, right? And back then, if you pulled the cornerstone out of the building, the whole building would come down. Very much like what happened to this little boy. Can we put that little video up? Uh, let's see, it's gonna be really quick, seven seconds. Yikes. All right, all right, let's bring it. Okay, let's not relive the suffering over and over again. All right, so let's bring it up. Good job. All right, so that is what the cornerstone, if you pull the cornerstone, that's what happens. You got it? If you're in a building and somebody pulls the cornerstone out, it's all going to come down on you. Now, this is the thing, guys, that you need to understand that the religious leaders weren't the ones who pulled the cornerstone out. They rejected it. They were like, oh, this is just nothing. This is, ah, it's just Jesus. It's some other guy. And just tossed it. I know I've done that. I've, I've had to build things. I don't know if we've ever, maybe fellas. What instructions? I don't need the instructions, right? You toss the instructions. Or there was like, this tool, this looks weird. I think this is just extra. You know, we don't need it. Ah, you know, get rid of it. And then when you like, oh, that's what that was. You know, and now you, you needed that or you needed whatever. We've done that. But guys, I want you to know the ones who pulled out the cornerstone in the, in the world was Adam and Eve. Because when they ate a forbidden fruit, what they did was they took the cornerstone of creation and they said, mm, yeah, that's what they did. That's what they did. When they ate the forbidden fruit, they were saying, no, God is not Lord and Savior. He, we don't need him. We can be strong enough. And they cut and they pulled the cornerstone of creation and tossed it. And now, ever since then, the world has been falling apart. That's what sin is. The world is falling apart. But unlike this boy, who could have jumped out of the way, let's be real, who could have jumped out of the way, he, if he was what, smart enough, saw it coming, he could have jumped out of the way. But here's the thing, guys. What is falling on the world right now, and what will fall on the world right now, are the blocks of the wrath of God. And it will fall and judge the world for those who have chosen to live and choose life and reject Christ as Savior. And you and I, again, we're those lame Crippled people, we are not able to save ourselves. We are not able to run out of the way. We can't. This is why we needed Jesus. This is why only Jesus could, by shedding his blood, by dying on the cross for us, he is the only one. It is only the love of God that can save us from the wrath of God. This is what he is saving us from. And when we put and when we believe in Jesus, he snatches us out of the way. And now our future, our destiny is not to experience the wrath of God for eternity. That's what hell is. No, we get to experience the love of God for all eternity. That's what heaven is. And only Jesus can, is the one who is able to snatch us out of the way. And so Peter very lovingly is trying to tell these religious leaders, you need to see, can you open your eyes? Look what's falling on you. You have rejected the only thing that could save you and you thought he was just some guy. No, he was the Messiah. That's what he's trying to, and you and I need to do the same thing, guys. We need to be cautious that we don't even look at something like this, God's word, and be like, Die, you know, just chuck it too. And we do this and we're like, oh, that's not that important. And this or that. No, we need to make sure that we understand that we don't reject the very love and the truth of God because it's the only thing, not only that can save us, it's the only thing that can lead us 
into new life. So we don't want to commit the same mistake. We don't want to just take Bible verses out of context or misunderstand them like this guy did. This is why we study. This is why, guys, I challenge you. And I try to preach in a way to get you to learn how to read for yourself so that you can see and know and stand on that truth. And this is super important for us so we are not as ignorant as well, missing out on something. And so, guys, here's, here's the one thing that we can kind of see because all three people were ignorant. All three people could have been judged uh, for different things. See, number one, the lame man was, he was close to the gate, wasn't he? He was right at the door. But could he enter in? No. By his deformity, he could, he could not enter in, and he literally could not move. He could not crawl in through those doors even if he wanted to. He could not. And so, guys, we need to make sure we understand if you, if we reject God, that is who we are. We are stuck in that. But just because he was close, he was still too far. But then look at the other crowd. The crowd was in. The crowd was in there. What were they doing? They would go to pray to God. They would go to commit sacrifices and stuff. But even them, even their connection or relationship with God wasn't enough because it was based on their ritual and based on their, their efforts. It was not based on grace. So guys, we need to make sure that we don't settle for, oh, well, if I give offering and I do good and I, and I, and I you know, read the Bible and I, I have all the Christianese, I'm good, right? No, they were inside the temple, but they were not inside the kingdom. Peter had to help them understand it. And then the religious leaders too. They were the ones who, oof, bro, they were the most generous. They were the richest, they were the wisest, they were the smartest. But none of that, not even their understanding of the word of God, could get them into the kingdom. It wasn't their knowledge that gets us into the kingdom. It's not our ability that gets us in the kingdom. It's not our actions that gets us in the kingdom. It is all Christ and Christ alone. He is the only one by grace through faith that we can enter in. He's the only one. And so there's this one thing that we need to make sure that we understand, guys, and we're not ignorant of this, that is in Christ alone. In Christ alone, we have access. No, we have the ability to enter into the kingdom. He gives us the ability to enter into the kingdom of God by grace through, through faith when we believe. And he also in Christ gives us the access to him. He gives us the ability and the access. That's what we have in Jesus. So what you and I need to do today and every single day is what Peter told that man to do. He told him to do three things. Look, stand, and walk. That's how it happens. It, start, it first starts when we look, right? What did Peter say? Hey, hey, look at us, but not look at us. He was gonna show Christ through them. And guys, it all starts when we look at Christ. When we look to Jesus, because you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the beautiful gate in the story. Jesus is the beautiful gate. He himself said in, in John, in, in the apostle when he was still alive, he said, I am the gate. I am the door. And if you, all those who enter through me will be saved. But this is the only way. Now, guys, I'm not like the one who complains when I'm saying, why does there have to be only one way to be saved? Listen, I'm glad there is a way because without Jesus, there is no way. He made a way where there was no way. So I'm not complaining that there's only one. I'm grateful that, that there is one, that he made it possible. And it's through him and him alone. Jesus is the beautiful king. He is magnificent and wonderful. And his life was a beautiful thing that allows us to encounter the beautiful presence of God. The beautiful strength and love of Jesus. It is him. And so when we look to the door, when we look to the gate, it is open. Right? The gate is open because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so we look to Christ and we look to the truth. We look to the cross. 
And when we agree, when we look to that and receive that by faith, now he gives us strength and he restores and regenerates us like that lame man. And now we are able to sustain Right? We look to him, and once we look to Jesus and gaze our eyes on him, now we can stand. And what do we stand on? Paul says this all the time if you've read the Bible. He says we stand on the truth. We stand on the word. We stand firm on what? On truth. We stand firm on this, on who he is, on his nature, on his character. This is where we stand firm on. We stand on our convictions. We stand on our confession. And when we can stand firm, and that, by the way, you know that's how we spiritual warfare. When he talks about the armor of, you know, Paul, Peter talks about, when Paul talks about this, where the armor of God, he just says, put it all on and stand. The armor of God is nothing but truth. Belt of truth, sword of truth, righteousness comes from believing in the truth of God, salvation by truth alone, faith in truth. It's all truth. It is an armor of light. It, was, it is an armor of truth. And when we stand there, he gives us the ability to be able to stand against the enemy on what? On truth. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus fight off the devil in the desert? Through what? Standing on the truth, the word of God. And so when we look to Christ and believe and we stand on the word of God, now guys, we're able to walk. Now we're able to walk together. We're able to walk in our faith. Or Peter, when Paul would say, we walk in the spirit, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now we're able to walk and live and, en and enjoy this journey of constant discovery as we cling to Jesus. Did you see like that lame man, he clung to Peter. He clung to, to John. Guys, as believers, as Christians, we're supposed to cling to each other and cling to Christ. That's how, we, that's how we walk in this world together. But let's reverse it though. Now let's reverse the order. If you find yourself struggling, if you find that your walk, you're struggling in your faith walk, it's because you're not standing firm on God's word. If you're not walking well and you're, you're inconsistent because you're standing on something that is not solid. Maybe it's a Bible verse that somebody misquoted and now you misunderstand and you think it means one thing and now another and it's not working because you're not standing firm on something solid. Maybe you're, you're, stand, you're not standing firm because you, want, you know the truth but you're having trouble believing. You're having trouble to really put your, I don't know, kind of, yeah. And so you do that and so if you're not standing then you're gonna stumble in your walk. And if you're not standing firm it's because you're not looking to Christ alone. You're looking to the culture, you're looking to false teachers, you're looking to things that are misguiding and feeding and what you are standing and staking your life on is not solid. That's why your walk is inconsistent. But then uh, there's the grace there guys. That's why we walk together. We cling to Christ and we cling to community. So when I'm stumbling, you, there's right there. No, 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 come on now. Not this way. When you go, you know, you go want to go back to your old beggar life and go back to, you know, eating from the scraps of this world and sin. I'm like, get up and move on. Let's go. Don't sit there. Don't know that that's what we as believers do. When one of us stumbles, we catch each other. We encourage each other. We love, confront. This is what we do together. And this is how we walk. And I want to make sure, guys, that we understand that we are not ignorant of what God has done for us. That we're not ignorant of, of what God has given us as a gift with this family of God. And also understand, and I do not want you to be ignorant of what time it is. It's still 3 o'clock. Now, I know some of y'all look at me. It's not 3 o'clock yet. I know, ma'am, Cal, no, you're, what's it called? Uh, if you're watching over at Liverpool, it might be closer to 3. It's not 3 o'clock now. Literally isn't. But what time did Peter and John show up at the temple? 3 o'clock. Why 3 o'clock? Because it was at 3 o'clock that the evening sacrifice was made. The, the Jews would do, a, that God instituted a morning sacrifice at 9 a.m. 
and then an evening sacrifice at 9 a.m. And they had to do this every single day. And they had been doing it for generation after generation. And all of the animals that they were sacrificed, you know what? None of it was enough. They could have done it for another 10,000 years or millennia, and it still would not have been enough. And why are they going at 3 o'clock to pray? Because of that. Well, you know what else happened at 3 o'clock? Not too long before this. Jesus died on the cross at 3 p.m. He hung on the cross at 9 a.m. when the morning sacrifice was made. And he hung on that cross all day until 3 p.m. when the final sacrifice of that day was made. Showing that Jesus is, I am the one and for all perfect sacrifice. It is still 3 o'clock. 2,000 years later, it's still 3 o'clock. The beautiful gate is still open. And God is inviting us to look to him, to stand and to walk. Because it is 3 o'clock. This is what he did for us. I don't want you to be ignorant of that. The door is open, but the door will close. And until then, you and I, as believers in Christ, we are in that process of entering into the kingdom of God as the kingdom of God enters into us. And so we shouldn't just settle for any more going back to that old ways. If we see anyone, we are calling them to not just look at us, but no, look at Christ in us. Look at Christ through us so they can stand and be raised and believe and walk with us together. This is so important for us, guys, because the beautiful gate is open. This is what Jesus has given us, the access and the ability to him. And so church, I want to want to read this and I just want to encourage you as we wrap up and let's worship for a second. Listen, church, we must invite a non-believing world to join us as we look to Christ daily, stand on his word and walk by faith in the Holy Spirit, becoming more like Jesus every day, knowing that we are all one day closer to walking through the gate of eternity where we will stand in the awesome and beautiful presence of our Lord forever. We are one day closer to that day. And so walk. Don't just, if you're stumbling, if you're, look up and walk because that is where we're heading and that is where we're going and we have a God who is with us and will walk with us from here till that moment. Look, I do not want you to be ignorant of the amazing things that God has done and who he is and what we have in him. Now, the cool thing is, if you have responded and are responding to the love and message of God, you know what? You are no longer ignorant because ignorant people refuse to listen. And so when you acknowledge and repent with sincerity, that means you are letting go and refusing and walking away from that ignorance. Now, guys, there's still so much more that even I, so many of us as believers, we will never come to the fullness of knowing everything. There's so much more left to learn, and we are still very ignorant about a lot, but this is where the grace of God comes in, that we get to experience Him more and more. So I want to challenge you, do not settle for the scraps of this world. Do not look for, again, the silver and gold. There's no amount of religious activities or accomplishments or knowledge that can save you. None of it can fulfill you. The only thing that does is God. And it was made possible because of Jesus Christ, what he did. So remember, it's still three o'clock. All right. As long as Jesus doesn't come back, it is still three o'clock. The beautiful gate is open and you and I can walk in it. And we are called to do that every single day because this is what the revolutionaries that we're looking for to become. It's this, that we are right now as believers in Christ walking together 
in essence, kind of like in slow motion as we are walking and heading toward that eternal gate. We are all one day closer to Jesus' return and one day closer from standing before our God. And we don't have to stand before him in fear when you have accepted him as Lord and Savior. This is so important and we need to keep walking until our future identity becomes more and more of our present reality. This is what it is. So guys, continue to look to Christ, stand on his word and walk, praising him and doing it in such a way that our testimony is both vocal and visible so that those who look at us and see us like they did that lame man say, wait a minute, we know you. This is some, something's different. You are not the same person. Well, we can point and say, yep, I'm not. And it's because of Jesus. So I want to challenge you guys. Let's keep looking to him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Stand on his word and let's walk together so that the Lord can do an amazing work in us and through us.